With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Another edition of MTAS Radio, where our purpose is to encourage the black community to think about our role and responsibility to ourselves, families, and the community at large. We believe that the poor choices that are being made are a direct result of the information we take in or lack thereof. We want to empower you by providing information that will make you think and ultimately lead to positive action that will bring about a change that is so desperately needed. And today, we have a very important conversation, very interesting conversation. Uh, we'll discuss the relevance of churches in the black community, black youth unemployment, and black businesses. And today we have on a live line um, Les Rogers of ITC Consulting and Training and Jamal Cole of the Role Model Movement. Uh, gentlemen, are you there? Yeah, how you doing, John? Les, I'm, I'm here. Jamal, how, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, John. Thanks for having me. It's always an honor to um, spread positive cultural messages, so thanks for having me again. Absolutely. I appreciate both of you gentlemen for joining us. Uh, but before we get into today's conversation dealing with the relevance of churches in the black community, black youth unemployment, and black businesses, I want to invite all of you to join us on the web, www.m-tas.org. Again, that's wwwm m-tas.org also like us on Facebook uh, just to get important information that we like to share with you and why don't you join us as we continue to read um, Good to Great by Jim Collins um, join us on our 90 day read as we continue to actually get through this particular book that deals with um, why some companies make the leap and other and others don't. Good to great, Jim Collins. And before we get into today's conversation, I want to actually just share with you a thought that um, an idea that he shares by way of what these great companies do to actually move them from the place of being good companies to great companies. And here's what it says on page 79. It says, indeed, we found no evidence that good to great companies had more or better information than comparison companies. None. But set uh, but sets of companies had virtually identical access to good information. The key then lies not in better information, but in turning information into information that cannot be ignored. And that's powerful because um, when we look at um, good companies and great companies and good communities uh, versus poor communities, uh, many times the issue is not the information that members of the community um, possess. Really, is just information that should not be ignored and could not be ignored. So, and that's what we want to deal with today. We want to deal with, we want to actually share with you some information that we should not be ignoring as a community. And um, the two gentlemen we have on the live line today, um, Les Rogers, ITC consultant, and also um, Jamal Cole of the Road 
role model movement. Uh, I'm pretty sure they'll share light on this particular subject matter. And before we actually delve off into that, gentlemen, I want to actually share with you guys um, from this article that was uh, that's entitled "A Year of Shopping Only at Black Businesses." You, you brothers, may or may not be familiar with this particular project that was taken um, on by a sister here in Chicago by the name of Maggie Anderson. And here's what it reads. It says, says, in 2008, Maggie Anderson was was doing pretty well. She had a successful career in business consulting, a loving husband, and two lovely daughters, a nice nice house in the Trinity um, Chicago suburbs, and attended the same church as the Obamas. But looking around at her mostly white neighbors, she couldn't – shake the guilty feeling that she'd left the black community behind. A simple solution. She decided she she decided would be to spend more money in impoverished neighborhoods on Chicago's west side. The whole point, she said, was, you know what? We care about the west side. We need to help those people. Those are our people and we need to do what we can to make a make a difference there. So we so we thought instead of buying groceries here in Oak Park, we could buy groceries on the west side and it was just as simple and it was just as simple as that. The problem Anderson realized was that most businesses in predominantly black neighborhoods weren't owned by African Americans. Most of the money spent in those those concerns would leave the community um, come closing time. So she persuaded her family to embark on a far more challenging mission. For a full year, they would attempt to spend their cash exclusively at black with black businesses and with black business owners. So, brothers, with that being said, um, when you consider black youth unemployment, um, when you consider black youth unemployment, do you think black business ownership should be considered as a viable solution to combat this whole deal with black youth unemployment, Brother Jamal? Well, uh, again, John, I want to thank you for having me. And, um, yes, I, I definitely think that the black um, businesses in, in the community, especially the Sixth Ward, um, should um, – to take it upon themselves to start hiring um, our teams. I was at a car wash this morning on 87th, and it, had, it was a little bit off Martin Luther King Drive, and um, I heard one of the, the owner talking to a customer who had a complaint, and she was complaining that her car wasn't, you know, clean properly. And the owner told her, um, she said, I hope I don't get anybody in trouble. But the owner said, hey, he said, you know what, um, no, you're not getting anybody in trouble. You're just, um, I'm glad you told me this, so now I can tell this young man how to do his job. I'm trying to keep these guys off of the streets and, you know, keep them alive and keep them out of gang activity. And, you know, have, by them having this job is doing just that. So we're, um, we want these people to be professionals. And so um, he, was, he was actually hooking these guys up. So I was listening to this conversation while my car was getting clean, and um, I thought it was so awesome that the owner, you know, he, he, didn't, he didn't take felonies um, as, a, as, a, as a negative, like a, a third strike or, excuse me, a second or a first strike as a, as a negative. He still hired people and gave them second chances. I think we need to do more of that. How can we do more of that? Well, I like to go to businesses, businesses in the ward and say, hey, you know, um, I, I see you guys have just come to the community. Are you planning on hiring anybody from the community? If so, I have a few resumes of a few of my friends that you might be interested in hiring. I think the community groups um, need to take it upon themselves to introduce themselves to the business owners that come in. And um, and, and by doing that, they'll um, – you know, it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. A lot of getting hired is about making that connection. So go meet the people and then give them a resume to somebody you know, and that will, you know, boost employment in our community. 
make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, Wes Rogers, what do you think? Do you think uh, business ownership is a viable solution to the high unemployment that you see among black youth today? Yeah, yeah, Don. I, I, again, um, always love to uh, share uh, information with you guys and with, with your listeners. Uh, Jamal, how have things been? Good to hear from you again, my brother. Good to hear from you as well. I'm good, man. Thanks for asking. How are you? All right. I'm good. Well, well John, you know, to, to answer your question, I, I agree with Jamal, uh, but I really think that we have to focus less on unemployment and, and focus more on self-employment. Uh, we have so many of our youth that are so creative, that are so talented, and it's just a matter of teaching them how to package that talent that they have uh, and, and turn it into a viable business. And, and we don't have to worry about who will or won't hire us, but, but instead, what can I do to prepare to, to hire? You know, it's that whole concept you introduced, we talked about before. We should uh, become lenders and, and not borrowers. And uh, we just have to change the way we're thinking because there is a market out there uh, for self-employment. Uh, you, you just really think about the, uh, the, the lawn care business. All right, that market there, there are people feeding and raising their families uh, in that particular market, but that's a market we don't tap into. But you remember when we were little, that that's what we did. We cut right. lawns, we raked grass, we shoveled snow to make a few dollars. And I just think it's the mindset. We, we have to stop waiting for someone else to create uh, this opportunity for us and, and hire us. You know, I'm about tired of being uh, an employee. It's about time to be the boss and make some decisions and take your business to a height that only uh, you can uh, determine. So um, I agree with you. Uh, business ownership is, is a viable way to go uh, when we start to talk about unemployment. Yeah, it makes a whole lot of sense. I want you to stay right there, Les, because when you consider uh, what uh, Maggie Anderson actually discovered uh, during her whole experiment in 2008 that 90% of the businesses that's in many of these neighborhoods are not owned and operated by um, the, uh, the local residents or blacks in particular. Why do you why do you think we find so few um, businesses owned and operated by, uh, by blacks in predominantly black neighborhoods? Because I like I like what you're saying, but why do we find so few black business owners? Well, well, first. Um, we have to stop patronizing those people who don't think our neighborhoods are good enough to live in, but they can come over and make the money that will send their kids off in another community to one of these nice Ivy League colleges. So the first thing is that we patronize uh, people and allow them to come into our community, and we as blacks do not and will not step on on faith and, and, and start a, a business of our own. I remember living uh, in the Morgan Park area, and I remember two stores opened at the same time. They were both corner stores. One was opened by the Arabic, uh, the, the Arab, um, uh, an Arab, Arabic family, and another opened by a black family. I kid you not, the first week someone had broken into that black family's uh, business and, and practically taken everything. That other store it still stands today. So I don't know what it is about destroying uh, things that we own, um, but but I would watch people walk past uh, the black store in a black community that's 95, 99% black and walk right past that black, black-owned business and go down the street 
to another business uh, that was non-black-owned. But one other thing I noticed, we as black people have to understand how the numbers work. All right, I'd rather I'd rather have 20 customers that spend less money than to have three customers and I try to get rich off those three people. The prices in that black store were extremely higher than in the store down the street. I don't know if it was because of access or uh, or, or what that was about, but we have to become competitive as well if we want to survive. We just can't say, hey, I'm, I'm a black-owned business, you know, buy from me. You have to also become competitive with those who are in the business. I think you make a very great point, and I think there are some legitimate answers um, as to why you find, um, in many instances, uh, um, the black business owner um, is not able to compete in terms of pricing. And uh, part of that, in, in, in my opinion, is just a part of what we're talking about, and that's just the overall support in which these businesses receive from the um, community and um, just um, just consumers in general and being able to buy and scale, things of that nature. Uh, Brother Jamal, I want you to take on that same question, why do you um, think that we find so few black business owners um, in predominantly black neighborhoods? Well, I think that um, as far as the first question was um, when you asked, you know, um, should black businesses um, do a better job trying to hire people, I agree with less 100%. I guess I'm not a just position to what he's saying, but as far as, um, you know, you feel that, uh, well, we both feel that people should be starting their own businesses instead of looking for jobs, I think that starts going to college and your education instead of going to school thinking, hey, I'm going to come out and get this great job. We get hired by these people. We should be going to school thinking about how can we, you know, learn something practical that which we can use. We can convert our passions into professions. You have to go into school with that mindset. As far as um, the, the second question on, on black businesses, why aren't there more black businesses? Um, you know, I just think a, a lot of people um, – a lot of people, you have to you have to know something before you can learn something, or excuse me, you have to learn something before you can know something. So instead of saying, "Hey, you know, I want to just jump off today and um, into the pool of my dreams and start my own business," it might be good for you to get a mentor or somebody that's been in that business for a while, or you to do an internship for somebody that does that, and you can learn the ropes, and therefore you can you know apply what you learn into doing your own thing. Um, a lot of a lot of businesses fail within the first year because. Say, for instance, you want to get a, a Internet cafe or something. I want an Internet cafe. Okay. Well, then you get your Internet cafe and you get all kinds of, um, you know, laptops. You get, all, you get all kinds of comfortable chairs. You get all kinds of – you get a lot of things that you don't really need to be up and running. And, you, you know, you, you won't recoup that money in the first year. So I think um, it's, it's a necessity that you get with somebody that's done it before and you, you create a viable business plan, a good budget, a sustainable budget, and, um, and, and start from the bottom and grow support as opposed to just coming in um, and, uh, and expecting to, to, you know, to have, a, to have a hit business right away. Make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, Les, so what I hear to both of you gentlemen saying, um, do you think we see more, uh, maybe there is um, a lack of jobs, but maybe there but there seems to be an abundance of opportunity. Is that what you, 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 the both of you are saying? Well, well John, what, what I'm saying is uh, any movement, any change, uh, any improvement starts with the mindset. And so Jamal hit it right on, hit the nail right on the head. You know, you have to have that mental concept um, about business and how you want to live your life financially. So 
I think that first we have to start converting our younger people, uh, as well as those who are willing to take that take that step of faith now. Uh, we have to start converting the way we think and start to prepare a little different. So instead of, uh, of taking a class that's going to teach you to be uh, uh, a team player, you know, uh, look at what it means to build your own team. And we have to change the way we're doing things, the way we think. It's going to take a total 180 turn to start thinking differently. And then we have to also start this networking thing you and I have been talking about so long um, where where we, we try to put a network out there of black businesses that we try to support and sponsor and push and uh, and try to get this thing going. I really like what the uh, uh, the AC Green uh, show is doing with a lot of businesses and trying to get people out there. But uh, we just have to have a movement that starts with a change of mindset and a different conception uh, about the financial market and our, our place in, in economics. Jamal, what's your take on that? Do you see uh, maybe there are less jobs available for black youth, but uh, more opportunities by way of uh, um, going into business for themselves? Because, again, she said 90% of the businesses that she frequented in uh, many of these neighborhoods were not um, owned and operated by blacks. What's your take on that? I I agree. You know, I see the businesses in my own ward, and, you know, I ask them sometimes, are they going to hire people from the ward? But as far as... um, how I feel about that. Again, I agree with Les. I think I think um, there's an abundance of tools and resources online in which you can you can learn from business owners like Coursera.com and Skillshare.com, and you can learn about how to how to run your own business, how to start your own business. I think the the major in, enemy to, to to black survival in, um, in Chicago isn't really the, the unemployment. I think it's the loss of hope that things can actually change and the absence of meaning in our lives. Um, it's one thing history shows us is that as long as hope remains, you know, and meaning is preserved and the possibility to overcome all these symptoms of oppression, that survives if we have these cultural structures of hope. So, again, I, I think that um, education is the key, you know, learn, learning your craft, believing in yourself. You'd be surprised how many people, um, you know, how many people just uh, need to be told that countless times, believe in yourself and believe, achieve, and succeed. Some people have great ideas, but... Man, I'm telling you, once you once you work with a professional or you work with a mentor, you can convert your passion into a profession if you just um, if you listen and you just like, accept criticism, accept it, man, and, and learn how to get better instead of taking everything personal. Make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, Wes, I want you to answer this question for me. Why is it that um, even among college-educated blacks, 25 and under, black black youths are still more likely to be unemployed than whites in the same age group? Well, um, I, you know, first uh, taking uh, into consideration that those numbers may not be accurate. I'm, I'm unsure. I've never seen the numbers, but I, I would think that it, it makes sense. Um, I, I don't have a reason for that. You know, we're, we're having a conversation about these different things that are going on, and when, when you um, brought that question to me a moment ago, the first thing that I thought was that um, we would have to look deeper into that to see what. What what is actually occurring with the people that we've tested and that and the numbers we've come up with? Because I couldn't think of a reason. Um, I'm not just going to be one going to be one of those people that says uh, people are being hired unjustly because I don't know that that's the case. I could speculate, um, but without looking at true numbers and looking at uh, how this was these numbers were created, I, I would not have an answer for that. But I will say this: um, 
when you look at the educational system, we're finding that more and more of our young blacks that are attending college are not black men. And and most of those that are attending that are, are minority are are female. So I don't know what those numbers mean, uh, but I know that somewhere, somehow, uh, our young black men are, are falling through the cracks, and, and we have to find a way to get them back into the game. Jamal, even taking into account what um, Les just actually um, shared with us, do you think that's um, a legitimate question? Do you see um, that even among college-educated blacks, um, 25 and under, they're still more likely to be unemployed than the whites in the same group? Do you Are you seeing any of that? Do you know anything about that? Oh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, Les had a, a great uh, a political correct answer. I'm not going to ask I think he did too. I think it was a politically correct answer as well. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great answer. Being that I work downtown and in the building I work in, I, I think there might be uh, maybe two other black people in the entire building, and there has to be thousands of people that work in this building. So um, that's that's just the, the reality. You know, that's just the reality. And a lot of um, a, a lot of times, you know, you don't want to blame it on um, you know, racism. This person is racist. This person isn't. But because I hear the, the juxtaposition to this saying that if it wasn't for affirmative action, you know, um, you know, there's there's some Caucasians that complain that we're taking their jobs because of affirmative action. So I, I've heard exactly. both sides. But again, the reality is, you know, I, I work in a building in downtown, and in the building I work in, thousands of people. I've only seen a handful of African Americans. I am the only, um, you know, African American that, that works in my company. Um, I was one of the only African Americans in a lot of classes in college as well. Um, you know, with that said, yeah, that's that's what I see. But that doesn't. Um, I think diversity is beautiful. You know, and it, it, it rises above all um, limits and doubts. I think we um, we can we can hire we can start our own businesses regardless of what color you are. You can you can start your own business and hire whoever you want to hire. If you want you know more African American males or females to be hired in these businesses in our community, then when the businesses come to the community because they come to the alderman first to ask permission to get in. That's when you need to approach those businesses and say, "Hey, you know, we will petition on your behalf to get you in here. But you know, when you get in here, are you planning on hiring from the community? If so, boom, here's a resume. So that's how that um, <laughs> that's how that can be taken care of. Hey, hey, John. Yes, sir. Yeah, John. Listen. See, I, the more I think about it, I think the problem I have with um, uh, that question is that. Uh, I have this fear that when we put something out in the atmosphere and we say to the young black men that they are being treated differently, sometimes I think it diminishes that hope that there's opportunity. And and that's why I really, I've never been the type to play into numbers. Um, I look at what I see around me, and I think that sometimes it, it does appear to be imbalanced. But I'm not going to go so far as to say that as a young black man, you have, have lesser of a chance to get hired because you're black. Because in America, when we can, in the highest office of the land, vote now, we're talking about a vote among all people that voted to put a black man in the highest office of the land. There are uh, some opportunities here. For us to do that, there are people who are white, black, uh, and, and all other ethnicities who have to believe that that we as black people have the strength that we've always known that we've had. We, we've elected a black president twice. So I think we have to be careful 
uh, at put, putting it out there that that there are in these great injustices and that you as a black man could go to college and still not get a job because there's there's the proof. The President Barack Obama is your proof that you have opportunity. Well, I think you, I, I think what you say, I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I think uh, you make a very legitimate point. But I think um, the larger point, uh, keeping it all in context, is uh, I believe in telling the truth. I believe uh, I come from the school of thought: if you tell the truth, the truth shall make you free, right? And if if that's the truth, if the and we say all the time, um, numbers don't lie; people do. Right, so if, if those are the numbers, the numbers are the numbers. I think part of the um, discussion that we're having today is that uh, maybe we should rethink the reason why we go to college or the reason why we learn in general. Maybe it's not we learn to get a job. Maybe we learn to create opportunity. I think that's what I heard you say. I think that's what I heard Brother Jamal say. So um, I don't necessarily. Um, it, it doesn't scare me to hear that, Brother Jamal. I think you had something to say there. Yeah, I just want to say, you know, uh, less is right. I mean, I, I heard, I've heard that people say it that way a lot of times, and I, I agree with them to an extent. Um, as far as the, the truth, the numbers just came out the other day for the unemployment number, and the the black unemployment rate, I believe, um, was uh, it, it fell to thirteen point three percent, but there's still, um, you know, you know, hundreds of thousands of people looking. I think two point four million African Americans right now are still out of work. And as far as, um, you know, the, the injustices, I, I always love quoting Frederick Douglass. He said, where justice is denied and poverty is enforced, where ignorance prevails and where any one class is made to feel that society is an organized conspiracy to impress and degrade it, neither persons or property will be safe. So I think that, um, you know, pointing out injustices is is, um, is something that's been done for 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 uh, um, not only negative but for positive as well. Because once I know what it is, now I can uh, now I can build on it. But, again, I do, as far as education, I think education is the key. And I think once you're educated and you learn a particular skill, you can, you, if you believe in yourself, you can hone that skill into something practical and uh, purposeful, and, and it can turn into a profession. Make a lot of sense to me. Uh, what was that uh, last John, one? Sorry. just wanted to say, you know, uh, you know, and, and – you know, everything that, that, you know, you're right about, the numbers do speak in some sense as to what it, it could represent a picture. Uh, but, but what I believe in uh, today in church, I, uh, my pastor made a, uh, a statement, and he his statement was that it's time to walk in the power of the resurrection. You know, we just had Resurrection Sunday, and we all know what that's about. That's about getting up again. And what I'm saying is we've been down. We've been down farther than we are now. And and I just think that uh, when you choose to get up, no one can stop you. It's a choice that you're making to do something different. So at that point, I don't care about the numbers. I don't care what the statistics tell me. I'm walking by faith and not by sight, and I know that if I continue to do the things to push forward, to educate myself, and to reach out there, that things are going to change. And I just think that we have to we have to stand up, we have to get up again as a community and not worry about what people are telling us about our lives and where we're going, but make that change happen because we're actively doing something. 
I'm glad you mentioned that, Les. Um, and you, you mentioned church, and that brings me to uh, this next um, whole topic of discussion. I'm reading here from an article entitled um, "The Black Church Is Dead." It says here, "The Black Church, as we as we known it or imagine it, is dead." Of course, many African Americans still go to church, according to the Pew Research Center Forum on Religion, Religion and Public Life. Eighty-seven percent of African Americans identify with a religious group, and seventy-nine percent say that religion is a very important, very important in their lives. But the idea of this venerable institution as central to Black life as as a repository for the social and moral conscience of the nation has all but disappeared. With that being said, uh, um, Les, I want to ask you: um, should, should churches be involved in issues of social justice and economic development, or should those concerns be addressed by other um, community institutions? Well, anyone that that attends church or has ever been to church and had a good sermon uh, presented to them would know what what God wants from us and what he wants for us. And uh, he wants us to be profitable. He wants us to live good lives. He wants us to have those things uh, that we deserve. Uh, And the churches churches that I've been familiar with um, are involved. In, in, in social issues and, and issues of poverty and issues of economics and, and there are so many programs uh, that are set forth. If you just remember uh, the, the role of the churches back uh, back in the days, um, many many years ago before we were thought of, it was to keep those communities alive and they were involved in the community. So yes, I believe it is the responsibility of the church to be involved. And all those things, all those things that matter uh, to each of us. And in in my particular church alone, I know that we are all in Africa building schools and and digging wells. And uh, and here in the community, we provide places, uh, a place to sleep and and food for the homeless who who need shelter because it's cold and they have nowhere to go. Uh, we have programs that teach children how to write resumes and how to become business owners. So I don't know about the other churches, but the churches I'm familiar with are involved, and they're doing some things to make a difference, and it is their role. Makes sense to me. Brother Jamal, what do you think? Do you think churches should be involved um, in issues of social justice, economic development, or should that be addressed by other community institutions? I think uh, when you when you form um, a lot of businesses, they ask you that at LegalZoom.com, are you going to be in community issues? Are you going to be in religion issues? And a lot of these businesses can't, you know, cross um, cross different um, platforms, so it can be illegal to do that. But as far as the, the black church, yeah, man, I, I definitely think that um, when I when I drive through the ward and I put a poem together the other day, I said, 25 barbershops, 35 churches. Brown Chicken, Popeyes, Kentucky Fried Churches, and um, I was just looking at how, how many uh, how many churches I've seen throughout our community. So I, I definitely think that they need to, um, or and they are. I think people are playing they're playing their part in um in um solving some of our issues that we're facing as a community. Because man, in our community, we're facing um you know extinction of family, community, culture, identities, values, and I do think the church um should uh play a role in that. What I what I always think about when I think about um the South Side of Chicago, I think of like being King David. And I think I think of when he wrote that he said, As I walk through the valley somebody some people say he was talking about the Kidron Valley when he said, As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll uh, 
I should fear no evil. And I, and I think about the shadow. I think about this valley as uh, like 79th Street. Sometimes I think when I'm walking through the red line, I think, man, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil because there's a lot of evil to be feared out here. But you know, when you have when you have God on your side, obviously nobody can um, nobody can harm you. So um, I do think the the, the black church is a um, uh, has done so much for our history. I mean, gosh, civil rights movement, um, Dr. Martin Luther King, yeah, I think they are going to play a major role in the revitali- revitalizing our community. Hey, hey John, you know, and, uh, just, just, to, just to expound a little bit on what Jamal is saying, is uh, he mentioned values and morals. This is where we as a community have received most of our morals and values and, and the things we believe in. And as I sit there in, uh, in church, I look at all of these people around me, and if nothing else, they hear these words. They hear the words, love your neighbor, okay, love your enemy, pray for your enemy. And, and if we were to take any of those values that are taught in church and take them outside of those doors, how could you pull the trigger of a weapon that's pointed at someone that you should be loving. Les, I want you to stay there in terms of values. I want you to stay there in terms of values of what we hear in a church. How about do we ever hear create jobs? Should that be something that we hear in church, or is that the role of someone else? I think that's what I'm getting at, because when you look at the devastation in our community, right, um, joblessness, hopelessness, Brother Jamal mentioned, what else should we be hearing from the religious institution, if anything? Or are you guys satisfied with what, what's being said? Well, if I if I made any suggestion uh, to to the black uh, the institution of black churches, um, it would be to promote more black businesses and and to get our communities to buy from within. Because what strengthens our community is when we keep money in the community. If I'm leaving my community to spend money somewhere else, I'm hurting the community that I live in. So I think that uh, the the if the churches were to push that issue, and all of us were to buy into that issue, um, I I think that it would make a world of a difference. It would make that 21-year-old who's running to Target to get a job, instead it might make him consider starting his own business if he sees that we're, we're buying from one another instead of buying from someone other than ourselves. What's your take on that, Brother Jamal? Um, you know, again, we definitely celebrate the role of the church and the contribution of the church. Are you satisfied with what's being said and what's coming from the church as it relates to um, um, black unemployment and black youth un- unemployment in particular? You know, I, I wouldn't really know. I read the Bible a ton. You know, I read the Bible every morning on the way to the red on, on the red line, and I read it back. You know, on, on the way home from the red line. As far as um, what. I, don't, I can't speak for every church and what every church is saying. I do think church is, you know, one of the most important institutions in our community, definitely a gem. Um, I think that um, as, as far as there's so many different types of um, religions that some people might be, uh, you know, afraid to walk into one church because they don't want to get told that their value system is wrong. You don't want to come into this church because you want to get told your value system. I mean, so I think that they need to um, – it, it would be beneficial to come together under um, a common cause instead of turn instead of um, instead of turning people away because of um, of, of them being flawed. Um, I think that promote, promoting promoting um, 
black businesses is a great uh, and networking. Man, there's so many people in congregations at black churches that it'd be um you know I I hope that these people are being talked to properly as as far as networking because if you have hundreds of people in a in your congregation then you guys uh, you know you have a movement right there and you can you can stabilize a community with that type of with those type of numbers. So um, I again I can't speak for all of African American churches, but I do think that they are um, very important institutions in our community. I want you to stay there, brother. John, just let me just ask something really quick. Uh, you, w- let's remember, in the church, if you're reading and you're teaching uh, based on what the Bible says, God's word, then uh, everything from the Bible teaches us how to live the right way. And if you are taking anything from any church that comes from the Bible, it teaches you to get your mind right, to get your heart right, your spirit right. And that's where it all starts, how we think. And so if nothing else, if a church does not mention owning your own business, but they help you to get your, your mind right and you can de- you can decrease so that God can increase and feel you what he needs you to know uh, in order to be successful, then I believe that the church is doing what they are supposed to do to get our minds right, to get our hearts right, to get us thinking properly, and, and to be focused on the things that we're supposed to do as a people. We were, we, were, we were created to take dominion over the earth. So if we do what he has asked us to do, what he's put us here to do, how can we fail? How can we fail if we do what we've been designed to do? That if the church if that's what the church is teaching, then the church is doing it doing doing its job. Um, I make a whole lot of sense to me. Hope, hopefully, some of that information and that influence begin to filter over into the community. Uh, with that being said, um, Brother Jamal, I, I want you to answer this question for me, um, and I believe this will be the final question. I also want you to share with us the, your information from your company, your organization. When you listen to the lyrics of some of our artists, do you hear the influence of religion, the religious thought, or church in the music? When we talk about what the church is doing and this influence, when you listen to what the young people are saying. And music um, and lyrics. Do you hear the religious, um, the religious influence? Um, and and some of my favorite MCs, yes, Nas, Tyler Kweli. You know, I, yeah, I do. You know, and uh, most deaf. Uh, you know, some Bill Camp, some of my friends that that I listen to around the city. Yeah, I do. But as far as the new school music, um, a lot of it I don't hear that, and I, I think that um, I, I I like that kind of music too. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes, sometimes you know, um, you know, when you don't know. You, you you just you just speaking without without knowledge like uh, when when God asked Job one time he said who is this that darkens counsel by speaking words without knowledge a lot of these youngsters that are making music today they're like um, Job questioning God they don't even know they don't even know anything about life yet and they're they're sitting in telling street parables and a lot of um that's where you hear a lot of the the nonsense and a lot of the, the pop pop bang all that all that stuff you hear they're, they're just not um. That, you know, as as a child, you think like a child, you walk like a child, you talk like a child. But as a man, you know, you um you start to you you leave childish ways behind you. So um I, I do appreciate you know music and um and I, I think that when you can start making it real instead of just saying with rhymes, that actually takes more effort, and that's why a lot of people don't do it. Make a whole lot of sense to me, um, Les. What's your take on that? When you listen to the music of some of our artists, do you hear that religious uh, uh, influence that you were speaking in terms of the teaching that we hear from many of our churches? Do does any of that teaching filter over into the music that you hear today? There are always exceptions. I'm positive of that. 
So there is a song <laughs> out there somewhere that I'll listen to, and maybe someone will quote something they heard in church when they attended. Uh, but my general, my, my overall answer uh, is, would be no. And the reason I say no is because music has always been something that moved us. It was a way that we communicated. Um, it was a way that we bought, we celebrated. And you just think about it. Music moves us. Now, you ask yourself, you put on a, a gospel CD, uh, Take Me to the King, okay? Uh, and, and, and you think about and you recall how you feel when you hear those words and what that makes you feel about the people around you, your life, and, and tomorrow, and how you process information. Then you put on one of those, pick any of the, any song you choose, the best one. You put that on and, and, and see if you get that same feeling. My answer is no. As a matter of fact, I think most of the music that our youth are uh, creating uh, is, is, is so far from the church and what we should be believing and doing that it's scary because it's influencing our kids. I think that uh, 50 Cent is one of uh, one of the rappers that everybody always aim, takes shots at and say he's a gangster rapper, but a lot of the best songs that he's made has been like, uh, Lord, forgive me for our sin over and over again. And he recently came out with a song called Sunday Morning, too, and when he said, um, you know, I make so many mistakes, so many corrections, are so far from perfect, so many imperfections. I mean, so a lot of times, man, you know, it's out there. It's up to the to the viewers or the listeners to go dig it up. Because some artists, you know, they they um they they do have positive messages that um that stem from the churches. Well, you you got to well, go Jamal, out digging to find it. Well, Jamal, can can you out of one voice, out of the same mouth, from the same heart, and from the same mind say? Uh, uh, that you want to be forgiving for you have sinned, and then out of the same breath you say something that is totally contradicting. What do you think that influence that influential kids gonna gonna get from that? They're not I tell you this. I tell you this, guys. That's a whole nother topic, and maybe that would be a topic for next week because I definitely get a contradiction in that and what you're getting at, Lash. And I'm pretty sure Jamal had an excellent answer for that, as he um, um, probably tell a little bit of that story in his book. Uh, what is it? MCs, athletes, and MCs, right, brother Jamal? Yes, exactly. Athletes, and absolutely. MCs. And with and with that being being said, why don't you take the next thirty uh, um, thirty seconds and share with us how we can uh, reach you outside this conversation, brother Jamal? But we're gonna we're gonna pick back up on that one, now, brother Les. Okay. How can uh, you, you, can you can definitely reach me at RoleModelMovement.com. Um, we always post insightful speeches that are given monthly at Whitney Young Library from role models on the Sixth Ward, North throughout Chicago, really. The topic of the discussion on April 23rd will be the red line closing, the red line rehab. Is it an inconvenience, injustice, or an improvement? You can also follow me at Twitter at Role Model Moves. So Twitter at Role Model Moves. Looking forward to that meme. Um, Les Rogers, why don't you tell the listening audience how they can reach you outside of this conversation? Uh, you guys can visit my site, www.itcinstruction.com, or email me at les, L-E-S, at itcinstruction.com. Make a whole lot of sense to me. I want to remind you that MTAS is, is an organization that encourages reading and collective efforts towards intellectual and community enrichment. We believe that there are two types of people, people who don't know and people who don't care. At MTAS, our efforts are geared towards making sure that you know and are prepared to take the necessary actions to, to reduce the many social ills that plague the black community and the community at large. This endeavor begins with accepting the fact that the community we live 
live in is the community we create. I am responsible. We are responsible. Why don't you reach us on the World Wide Web, www.m-tas.org. Again, that's www.m-tas.org, and we'll see you back next week. Thank you. You can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.